Welcome to The Growth Factor, a broadcast ministry of St. Mark Baptist Church. Today, as part of our family, you will experience the life-changing and spirit-nurturing Word of God. Please enjoy this time with us as we're committed to helping you grow in knowledge, grow in faith, and grow in God. St. Mark Baptist Church, you grow here. Well, welcome back to the Growth Factor podcast, the broadcast ministry of the St. Mark Baptist Church in Little Rock, Arkansas. My name is Pastor John. I'm one of the pastors on staff here at St. Mark, and I'm here with our senior pastor, Dr. Philip L. Pointer, Sr. And we're continuing season number two as we help people this year to dig deeper. Mm -hmm. And for this particular series that we're working on now, we're talking about what we are going to call make it make sense make it make sense there are people who have reached out to us to say we want to know how to study the bible we want to know how to get deeper into god's word and we want you to make it make sense pastor pete (laughs) and pastor john so we're we're listening to you all and we've heard you and we're going to unpack some some tools we're going to help you look at the bible through certain lenses and we want to make sure you understand what those lenses are. I think it's important that we start with this first lens, which is going to be the big picture lens. We got, we gonna we gonna do something for him in this episode. We're gonna talk about the whole Bible. The in one episode, whole Bible, the whole Bible. <laughs> so, John, so I, I tell people all the time, my last sermon as a pastor. I'm not gonna give y'all the title because you can handle it now. But but my last sermon of, of the Bible uh, of as a pastor, uh, when I get ready to retire, my last sermon is gonna be called something that I won't say, but I'm gonna say turn to any part of the Bible. I'll be there in a minute. I'm just gonna preach the whole thing. I'm just gonna start Genesis one. I'm going all the way through the Revelation, and you're just gonna have to, you know, go uh, get your car washed when I'm in Nahum or something like that, or go get your hair done while I'm in Habakkuk. But one, I'm going through the whole joint. Leviticus. All of it. All Levit- of it. Take, take a nap in Leviticus. <laughs> <laughs> Although there's some great stuff in Leviticus. Oh, I may yes, have sir. to wake wake up because yes, this part is good. Yes, sir. Uh, but 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 it's it's one unit. Yeah. That's the biggest that's that's what we need to understand. It's one unit. You know, we probably have some science nerds who are joining us and um one of the things that I thought found really interesting was the Hubble telescope mm. that uh was launched in two thousand and it was supposed to when it was launched, send back these beautiful images uh, back to the earth of what's going on out there in space, but they forgot something. The lens on the Hubble telescope was blurry when they got out there. Mm -hmm. So they got all these blurry pictures. They had to send astronauts back up to literally put a contact lens on the Hubble telescope so that it could have clear images. Mm -hmm. So the telescope didn't have the right lens, so it didn't project images correctly to our Earth. And I think the same thing happens with scripture reading. Yeah. That people approach the text not having the right lens on and not being able to see things culturally, historically, uh, literary, uh, that will help them understand the text itself So what we're setting out to do this season is help people put that lens on so they can see it and better understand the text. It's so critical. Um, What we are going to talk about tonight as we talk about the big picture is what we would call 
biblical theology. Yeah. Um, that is to understand the subjects of the scripture is to understand how they work in concert with one another. And, and that is critical because, Pastor John, I see it all the time with people who are burgeoning preachers and teachers um, and even people who read the Bible for their own personal understanding mm-hmm. or people who try to post scriptures for other people's edification and that kind of thing. And I get the intent, man. I'm, 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 I'm with you with what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but mm-hmm. you can't take a verse <laughs> or two verses out the Bible no. and then try to produce a whole theology or understanding of something out of them. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work that way. Um, we first have to get what is the whole thing about mm. because everything within it is going to speak to what the whole thing is trying to say. Yeah. Um, and then that, that helps address, and we'll get into this in, in other episodes, what people think are contradictions yeah. or problem passages mm. and those kinds of things. It's because people aren't interpreting them mm. correctly because sometimes this passage over here mm. And this passage over there, though they both say the same word, they ain't talking about the same thing. No, not at all. (laughs) And so we have to understand the big picture of the Bible. What's the big story that Mm -hmm. the Bible is trying to talk about? And here's here's the caveat here, because I think that people, a lot of people, some people, I say some people, are unwilling to admit their level of biblical literacy. Right. So that things that seem, and here's the thing for us as preachers and pastors, is that we assumes sometimes that people know some of the basics of biblical literacy Mm -hmm. and this big picture stuff that we're going to get into is foundational yes to anything else that we're doing yeah because if you don't understand this stuff then you're not going to understand once we get into some minute details and tools to help you be able to unpack scripture right yeah and I'll, i'll tell a quick story man early in my preaching ministry um my uncle Lionel, who's stylistically my my hero. So my father, content-wise, mm-hmm. my uncle Lionel, who I'm named after, uh, Uncle L.P. Lionel Philip Porner Jr., stylistically, he's the most naturally gifted preacher in our family. We got a bunch of, of preachers in the family. But Uncle Lionel, one of his tags with lines was, am I right about it? Mm-hmm. Am I right about it? Mm-hmm. Am I right about it? <laughs> Two things my father would say. He would say, there are two phrases I never want to hear you say, and I do. I know you. I know you listen to your uncle, but but never say, "Am I right about it?" If you don't know if you're right, don't say it. Mm. That was one. He said two. Never say, "Oh, you know the story." And he said because there may be someone who doesn't, who doesn't know the story. That's but good. John, we're living in a day where the truth is most of the people don't don't know the know story. The story. Um, yeah. And and for those who are church babies or those of you who are, are church veterans, mm. one of the things that we have to bring to these moments when we're teaching others or when we're trying to share the gospel with them is we cannot assume a level of biblical familiarity right. that you could in other generations because the Bible isn't taught in school anymore. Mm-hmm. And people don't just don't grow up in church going to Sunday school. Even there was a time when if your parents didn't attend church, they at least sent you to Sunday school. Mm. That's not the case at all. So we got to start with the basics, the fundamentals, and the big picture. And if you know these things, if you got it down packed, if you can recite this off the top of your head, you still need to revisit them. You still need to start from scratch sometimes for a couple of reasons. One, if you don't use a muscle, it atrophies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
two, approaching each text with humility um, is critical. So, Pastor John said in our last episode study together that I've been doing this now. This year marks thirty years for me, but I've learned how to, I've learned I have to start over, even yeah. if I worked with the text before. Yeah. I have to start over again from the beginning mm. because. Each step along the process allows the Holy Spirit to reveal something to me that, or illuminate something to me that I did not see the first time or the twentieth time that yeah. I preached that passage or studied it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an it's a never ending, mm-hmm. ever flowing fountain of 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 transformative truth. Yeah, and and so we even in the basics, even within what we're getting ready to talk about there's potential to see something transformational mm-hmm. about the Bible. And I will say that as we're working through this, I know there's going to be something that creates some aha moments for po- folks that may think, oh, this is just kind of basic stuff. But yeah. there, there are things that, that you need to know about to help illuminate where we're going. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so let's start with this idea that the Bible is going to blow y'all's mind, okay? The Bible is one story. That's it. This many. <laughs> just just one story. It may have how many books? So let's talk about the books of the Bible. But, yeah. but it's one story. It's one story told by one God. And I'm going to argue that it's about one person. And yes. I know, I yes. know we're going to get there. But, yes. <laughs> but it's about one person. And this is going to mess some of y'all up. Because we, we open this thing. And we try to figure out what about us right. is in it. Yeah. But this story, it, it ain't about you. It ain't about you. It ain't about you. And this is why we have to approach the Bible with humility. Because the question of Scripture is not what it means to me. Mm-hmm. It's what does it say about God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that one story. What I should be looking for in the text is the eternal God principle That's good. of the scripture. Um, and that is key to understanding the whole thing. Hmm. That is critical to understanding the whole thing. Yeah. So, so let's talk about the number of books that are in scripture. Mm-hmm. So we have 66 total books in scripture. Yes. Well, let's go ahead and mess them up real fast with chapter and verse designations. Okay, so our Bible was not written. In chapters and verses, no, they the Genesis. I can't, I can't quote John three sixteen. No, you can quote it, <laughs> but that's not the whole thought. <laughs> that's not the whole thought. Um, one of the things I advocate for, and I say all the time, this is one of the reasons we preach through books of the Bible in their entirety mm-hmm. and teach through books of the Bible in their entirety, because I can make the Bible say anything if I pull a verse or a line mm-hmm. or even a chapter out of its context. Mm-hmm. I'll give an example. We love to read 1 Corinthians 13 Mm. at weddings. But guess what? It ain't about marriage. It may apply in some way. Somebody just changed their wedding program. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Find something else. (laughs) Find something else. You should because it's not about marriage. That's about how we treat one another in church. Mm -hmm. That's what that's about. That's about people who have not being nasty to people who don't have. Yeah. That's what that one's about. 
yeah. not trying to put yourself above other people. That's a whole, you know, but that's what that's an example of. You got to read chapter one, two, and three of First Corinthians to grab that, and and four, five, and six, and mm-hmm. and then specifically ten and eleven and twelve as Paul walks you up to the reason for this wonderful love poem that we all love so much, mm-hmm. poem about love. Uh, so, um, you know, no chapters and verses in the Bible um, in its original construction. Now they are useful, they are. inserted by translators and scholars for the sake of convenience in study. Mm-hmm. They are a mean. They are. For convenience, they are not the to bus- be. They are not to be shackles. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And th- and there are chapters that are divided that need to be read together. Yes. And when we divide them in that way without reading them together, you mm-hmm. don't necessarily understand the text. Like yeah. one verse will be missing from a text, yes. and it's in the next chapter. It's it, and 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 for those who, who listen to us preach and teach here at St. Mark, you will hear me say this often, and then you'll hear me say we're starting in chapter 3, verse 7, but we're going to chapter 4, verse 3. Right. Because that's actually the unit mm-hmm. um, of, of the Scripture. That's the paragraph, actually, yeah. that we're going to be exploring. So no chapters and verses in Scripture. They were written as one um, unit with the exception of the book of Psalms. Mm-hmm. Each psalm is individual. Um, albeit some are partnering, like 42 and 43, they go together. Um, they're categorized in certain ways. They have certain themes, but those aren't chapters of psalms. They are each their own song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But the Bible as we have it, this version that we do have, uh, is divided into 66 books yeah, in 66. Scripture. Yeah. So we have 39 mm-hmm. in the Old Testament, and let's talk about the divisions of the Old Testament. Yeah. Now, now, John, I want to mess, I, I need to start right here because somebody's going to say, well, what about the lost books? <sighs> what about the Apocrypha? Now, listen. Well, we might as well get into yeah, it. Yeah, let's just, let's just go on and get, <laughs> just go on and get it off, off top so we can, we can go on and get to the, to the nitty-gritty. Yeah. Um, there were no lost Books. That's a misnomer. It's like, it's incorrect. It's there, the the apocrypha. Those are books that were written between um, the book of Malachi, which was the last book of the old covenant, and um, the first of uh, the revelation of God's fresh word through the uh, through John the Baptist. Um, God began to speak again, so we could have four hundred years that we call them of silence. Mm. Um, there are books written between that period. They have some cultural value yeah. to Jews and some they're they're interesting reads, many of them. Mm-hmm. They never, ever, ever claimed to be or were thought to be inspired in the same way as the thirty nine we have in the Old Testament. They were around, y'all, when Jesus was here. Mm-hmm. But Jesus only speaks of the ones we have in this Bible. Why were they added, Pastor John? I'm glad the people asked that. They were added because the, 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 there was a period in church history where the church wanted to justify certain practices, practices yeah. um, like indulgences, which is you can pay for a sin, literally, physically pay money for a sin, like uh, purgatory. So you died, you don't go to heaven or hell. You go to this middle place, mm-hmm. and then your family has to buy you out, literally, physically buy you out with money of this middle place. Mm-hmm. Those things came from apocryphal books. Yeah. And they say, hey, this, this could produce some. So they were reinserted. Yeah. Jesus says, this is what you've heard from me. 
law, Psalms, and prophets. And we'll talk about our divisions, yeah. but those are the divisions he claimed, and those are the 39. Yeah. Let me say one more thing about the 39. Those are our divisions, but then there were books like First and Second Samuel who, in the Hebrew Bible, were one. Together. First and Second Kings were one. Ezra and Nehemiah were one. So we have divided those even um, into separate books, and we have 39. But that's helpful to understand because when you read Ezra, mm-hmm. it might be a good idea to roll, read. Roll right on into Nehemiah. Nehemiah. Yeah. 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 Because right they're, they're meant to be read together. Absolutely. As opposed to being read apart, right? Yeah. yeah. So um, I'm glad that you said that, though, because just because something is excluded doesn't mean it was lost. No, it wasn't <laughs> lost. And, and let me say, because the New Testament, you have Same thing. What, are, what are called pseudopigrapha. Pseudo mm-hmm. meaning false, epigrapha uh, meaning writing. There were people who wrote under false names. Mm-hmm. So there's Gospel of Thomas. Well, Thomas didn't write it. Gospel of Mary Magdalene, Mary Magdalene. Gospel of Peter. That's, Peter didn't write that. Mark wrote Peter's gospel. That's mm-hmm. the gospel of Mark in, mm-hmm. in our Bible. Um, and there are these, those are there those kinds of books that were written, oh man, two or three centuries after the events took place. As opposed to 20, 10, 20, 30 years. Yeah. All of the Bible, all of the books of the New Testament were written, every one of them was written while people who were eyewitnesses were still alive. Yeah. Yeah. So they the 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 Bible the New Testament books were not things people just heard. Mm-hmm. They are the re- first-hand recollections of people who were there. And that's how they got what we call canonized. Canonized. Which is a word that means measuring rod yep. or stick. Mm-hmm. So they measured each one of these texts. They may even have considered other texts, mm-hmm. but they measured them against measurements that they agreed upon in the early church. Yes. Which is it had to be tied to an apostle. Yep. Or a church leader. Yep. Right? Yep. What else in terms of canonization? It had to be it had to have apostolic authority. So yep. an apostle said it or one who was connected to an apostle. Mark. Yeah. Mark, Luke, mm-hmm. um, um, those kinds of things. Then it had to it had to have um, acceptance among the churches. Mm, yeah. With, I mean, so you you're talking about across regions and cultures, mm. b- wide mm. groups of people yeah. had to say this is inspired, and and that truth is one of the things that people don't want to talk about. Mm. When you talk about oh what was left in and what was left out. Well, listen, man. This was not one person or a small group voting on things. Right. The, 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 these 27 in the New Testament were people who were initial students of the apostles mm-hmm. handing down, Paul wrote this, yeah. Peter wrote this, this is genuinely Matthew. And when they did that, they were widely circulated, widely accepted. Everybody understood this was really written by Matthew. Mm-hmm. This was written by somebody claiming to be Thomas. And it was easy for them to check. They could check. Man, I don't have time to talk about I know. This. I don't have time. <laughs> but, but, John, if I had time, you know what I would tell them? I would tell them that mm-hmm. there was no question about authorship for New Testament books. No serious question until 17th and 18th century. Yeah. When we've talked about it, if you were with us last um, last season, with the 17th and 18th century Enlightenment, Enlightenment period, Germans and Frenchmen intending to undermine 
the authority of Scripture begin to claim Paul didn't write this, and, and, and that's not Peter. Um, those kinds of things, and they did it with the Old Covenant. Oh, therefore, authors and gentlemen. That stuff was not considered by anybody in the early church. Mm-hmm. Our African church fathers, who were the students of the actual apostles, verified that these books were written by the people they claimed to be written by, the yeah. ones that we have in our Bible, yeah. and then the European folk. <laughs> because it wouldn't be a Grow Factor podcast unless we talked about cultural appropriation by the peans. They <laughs> decided to begin to throw these questions in. And the sad thing is, John, and I'm, I, I, we got to get to the basics. I'm sorry. The sad thing is, is let, me, let me get off my soapbox when I say this. The sad thing is, in so many seminaries and so many people who want to be liberational mm-hmm. for black people and, and socially and those kinds of things, they have bought into the fact that that's black theology and this, what we're talking about is white theology. No, ma'am, no, no sir. This is this is the one that comes from Africa. African folks. This The 20, these 66 are the ones the African folks said are the 66. That's it. They, they led that effort. It's Period. historical fact. That's, the, that's a fact. All right, let's talk about these 66 66 books. Okay, so the 39, you got the book of the law, Mm -hmm. which is the Pentateuch. Mm -hmm. That word means five books. Five books. The first five books of the Bible Mm -hmm. are the book of the law and the Pentateuch. Mm -hmm. Now, most people believe that Moses was the author of those books, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So we got the book of the history, Mm -hmm. books of history, which are 12 books of history that we see, First Kings and all the other ones, right? Mm -hmm. We got... Poetry and wisdom literature. You got the Psalms. You got Song of Solomon, uh, and then we have uh, prophecy. Mm-hmm. Prophecy, which are yeah. the minor prophets, major prophets, yeah. right? And 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 so John, let's let's go on to give them. So yeah. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Pentateuch, five books, yeah. books of the law, because they are um, the books out of which the law of Moses comes. That became the governing document mm-hmm. for Israel as a nation and for the people um, as uh, for moral, religious, and civic mm-hmm. law. Mm-hmm. Um, all of those things are in those first five books. Now, within these books or within these types of literature that we're talking about, books of, of, of law, there are kind of subsets of genres. Yeah. So within Genesis, you have poetry. Mm-hmm. Within Genesis, you have narration, yeah. um, but so when I interpret Genesis, I have to know when I'm reading poetry, poetry. when I'm reading a, a narrative, narrative uh, yeah. passage. So most of it's narrative. So then when I come to Exodus, I've got narrative, mm-hmm. I've got songs, I've got poetry again, Song of Moses, mm-hmm. I've got Song of Miriam, Miriam. Um, and then I've got these laws, boom, boom, boom. Ten Commandments, you shall not, you shall not, you shall not. Then I have some more narrative, and then I have, you know, then they walked around this mountain, and they fought <laughs> these people, and then I got some got some more laws. Build the tabernacle and make it look just like this. Mm-hmm. Sew it together, put the gold. So there are, there are different genres within that. Then you come to history, and history, again, talking about Joshua uh, all the way through Esther, mm-hmm. um, and it's going to talk about, the, or judges, rather, Joshua judges all the way through Esther. Uh, you're talking about that period of settlement mm-hmm. of the land. You're talking about the period of the end of the judges. Mm-hmm. The last judge is Samuel. The request for king. Then they then they have kings. <laughs> <laughs> 
um, then the kingdom splits, mm-hmm. then they go into bondage. And then there is a period of restoration mm-hmm. after uh, bondage that will lead us into um, that silent period that we spoke about earlier. Um, so that's the, that's the story. That's, that's all the, yeah. that's the timeline. Mm-hmm. Now, when you get into the wisdom literature and you get into prophecy, these are essentially commentaries within that timeline, yeah. speaking about things. So Job is not a narrative book. Mm-hmm. It's got a couple of narrative elements, mm-hmm. but it's a book of poetry, wisdom. Yeah. So And it's not sequential. No, it's not so, sequential. So Job actually happens mm-hmm. much earlier in most Job, scholars would think. Job is probably older than Abraham. It's yeah. probably the first book written. Yeah. You know, in in scripture and, and very early in human history. Mm-hmm. One mm-hmm. of the first things written down is the book of Job. Yeah. Um so um some say he's contemporary, some say he's older. Um, but but Job is way back yonder. So when you find it in your Bible up here, mm-hmm. <laughs> that back down here, it really timeline wise goes back here with Genesis. That's good. Okay. That's why you see Leviathans mm-hmm. and, and other animals. Yeah. You're like, what is this? What is that? Behemoth <laughs> and Leviathan. Yeah. Yeah. What what are these things? And um and so it's poetry. So then when we interpret it, we are not to with interpret it like a poem. Same yeah. thing with Psalms, mm-hmm. Proverbs. Um, and again, those are written scattered throughout the history yeah. of of, yeah. of what's happening in that in those narrative portions. Then prophecy, also same thing. Prophecy is going to speak to a historical time and a historical mm-hmm. period, yeah. either about what's happening or about what's going to happen. Yeah, what might happen, and that's important. And we're going to talk about genre analysis and how to read different yeah. genres in yeah. a later episode. Yeah. But that's a very important distinction because yeah. folks read these prophecies. And they just be misinterpreted, yeah, all of them. Yeah, yes. Yeah, and it's hard. It's, it's hard. hard. It's tough. But Prophecies are probably the hardest read. That's why people avoid Revelation. Yes. Because it is a book of prophecy, and it's like mind-blowing for a lot yeah, of folks, right? Yeah, it, it, you have to understand that a lot of the prophets are poets, mm-hmm. and they're speaking in mystical language and uh, figurative language. Mm-hmm. And and that's why in-depth study is necessary. So those are the those are the the neat divisions book of law book of history books of history um, poetry and wisdom literature and then prophecy and knowing what you're reading so those first five books law mm-hmm. next 12 history then i'm coming into poetry literature and prophecy mm-hmm. and and knowing what i'm reading is going to be critical to how i read it right yeah it's going to be critical to how i read it yeah, so then we move into the New Testament where we have 27 books. And, um, you know, we talk about the Old Testament as the Old Covenant, and we can talk about that a little bit. But the New Testament lays out this new covenant that yeah. that God makes with, not with a nation in Israel, because the Old Covenant he made with a people group. Mm-hmm. Uh, he made several covenants in the Old Testament yeah. that we can probably touch on later yeah. on. But um, this covenant, this new covenant is with his son. Yeah. In Christ Jesus. And this covenant is laid out in the New Testament, in the 27 books in the New Testament, uh, many of which the Apostle Paul wrote, which a lot of people associate him with New Testament writers, right? Mm-hmm. But he actually didn't write the most content in the New Testament. That was Luke. Yeah. And Luke yeah. laid it out like a physician, yeah. like a, a detailed, detailed physician would. Yeah. We can talk about the distinctions between the Gospels yeah. uh, later on as well. Mm-hmm. But 
So we have here, we have four Gospels laid out. Uh, these four Gospels uh, kind of mirror, mirror biographical accounts of who Jesus was told from the perspective mm-hmm. of the writer. Of the writer. And that's to, important. To a specific audience. To a specific audience. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's critical because, man, one of, the, one of the great myths out there is that, oh, you can't harmonize the Gospels. Yes, yes, you can. You can. Yes, you can. They, they are. You don't sing the same note if you're doing harmony. That's that's. If you're doing harmony, you're not all on the same note. The gospels are written from a perspective to an audience, mm. and to know the perspective, you got to know the author. We'll talk about those things <laughs> in another part of the study. Talk. <laughs> you got to know the author, and you got to know the audience, yeah. and why each gospel does what it does. I'm, you know, I'm mess folk up, John. The gospels are not are not sequential in the stories they tell. They aren't. Luke is probably the most sequential because in that time of writing, Mm -hmm. what happened on February 1st and then happened on March 9th (laughs) and then happened on August 7th, that's not how they told the story. If if the February 1st event was the most important, they're going to do that. They said it where it fit in terms of importance. So if I'm building up to something, if I start with March and then go to August and mm-hmm. then go to February, mm-hmm. that's how they told it to to build the argument mm-hmm. um, that they were building to, to to emphasize the point they were making. Somebody just said, oh, that's why John moved the temple visit earlier yes. in his gospel yes. than the other people yeah. did. Yeah. That was intentional on yes. his part because of temple mm-hmm. theology and yeah. replacement theology yeah. that we can talk about when we talk about John as a. As a, as a gospel, gospel writer, yeah. right? Yeah. So, so you got those four gospel accounts from four different perspectives. And to your point, if I show up on the scene and I'm looking at an event and you're looking at an event, we may have different recollection of seeing the same event, but it's the same event. John, <laughs> li- listen, you and I are going to write a story about this podcast right now. And I'm going to say my partner was sitting on my left. Mm-hmm. And you're going to say my partner was sitting on my right. And you know what would happen with these prison scholars? They would say, see, that's a contradiction. contradiction. No, it's complimentary. I'm on this side. You're on that side. And that's that's how the Gospels are written. Mm-hmm. That's how the Gospels are written. So the Old Testament had several history books. Mm-hmm. Uh, the New Testament has one that's designated as a history book, mm-hmm. although technically the Gospels are history mm-hmm. and the story of Jesus. But the one book is the book of Acts, book of which Acts. is part of what we call a two-act play. Yes. Because Acts. Luke... Acts is Second Luke. Yeah, Second. Basically, yeah, that's, there you have Luke. Like you have First and Second Kings, and First mm. and Second Chronicles, and First and Second Corinthians. Acts is really Second it's Luke. The continuation of Luke's gospel. Mm-hmm. So when you get to the end of Luke's gospel, turn over. Yeah. To Acts chapter one, and mm-hmm. you'll see a similar greeting. He greets the same person mm-hmm. that he was probably hired to write. Well, that person said, hey, I want you to write something about yeah. this gospel account and also write about the history of the church. And you're most qualified to do so. Yeah. So he wrote this in a gospel account and a historical account so that he could provide what he said, an orderly account, orderly account. of the events that have happened. And that's why he's probably more timeline oriented than the others as well yeah and i want to say this about the about especially the new testament history and old it applies to old testament too Mm -hmm. but i think we do more misinterpretation in the book of acts Mm -hmm. maybe than i mean prophecy and then history are often misinterpreted because history is what happened yeah 
it's not a promise about mm-hmm. what will happen. Mm-hmm. It's what did happen. For instance, Peter, there was a period where they would take handkerchiefs from his body. Here we go. And lay them on the sick and folk <laughs> would get healed. And then you got folks, Pastor John, who Come say, I done, I done laid on this handkerchief for 60 days. If you send me thirty nine ninety nine, I'm going to send you one of these handkerchiefs and you will have a healing handkerchief. No, it's just what happened. Peter didn't, uh, he didn't intend that. Yeah. It was just the way, it's what God did. Mm-hmm. It's not what God said I'm always going to do. Mm. Um, and that's one of the things that history, this is why we got to look for the God, eternal God principle in the scripture. Yeah. History is just that. It's just what happened and what does it say about the character of God and the nature of God. It says that God cares and God is concerned and more so in that particular passage that God will confirm the gospel mm-hmm. when it's proclaimed. That's, that's, that's what that's about. so good. Because you cannot mistake what God did for what God is doing. Yeah. That's, that's a word in the pandemic yeah, for some folks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 We, want, 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 we, want, we want our history to be our destiny, and it's not. Mm. That's good. It's not. That's good. So, so we got the history uh, in the book of Acts, and then we have these epistles or letters. Mm-hmm. Now, Here's the here's the thing that when I first started studying and started learning this and especially in seminary, it's like, oh, this was written to actual people. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Like actual people that existed that had real issues in the church. Yes. So one of the things that y'all have to realize is that these letters were written to address real matters in a local church body in the epistles. And as you read the epistle, you have to keep that in mind, which means you got to go back and understand, and we're going to get to that, the audience to who it's written to in order to understand the application in your own life. Yeah. Yeah. Because, Ooh, John, this is going to be messy. It's going to get, it's going to get messy now because some things that are written in the epistles Mm. are for me to learn a principle about but do not apply to my practice of life mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, whew, Lord have mercy Paul says a woman shouldn't pray or prophesy with her head covered or uncovered she should put a covering on her head Yeah, and we still have churches man where people if you walk to the church and I don't mean to be offensive but I'm just being plain you walk into their church and they put a doily on their head or you don't up. have anything. I've seen, I've seen, I've preached in church, John, where they've given women paper towels and napkins and stuff to put on their head because you're not supposed to. That was cultural. Wow. He was trying to make sure they were differentiated from the people that worshiped at the temple of Aphrodite. Mm-hmm. It's, that's cultural. Mm-hmm. He did, God did not intend mm-hmm. for women to always come to church with something on their head. <laughs> that's not that's not that's not the that's not the intent. And so, you know, the the epistles are time and place things. Mm-hmm. They're they're time and place, but what is the eternal principle? Yeah. What is the God principle within them? Yeah. Now, some things are directly to practice. You know, do the Lord's Supper together and and and, and be it. thinking about one another. Y'all do that. That's that's for real. <laughs> you know, be forgiving, love, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Give and, and sow into the lives of a, that's the stuff that's eternal in practice. But those cultural nuances, those those kind of weird, a woman shouldn't 
wear anything pertaining to a man. Therefore, you can't wear pants. pants. There were no pants when that was they written. had none. There wasn't no pants. <laughs> no pants. <laughs> I feel like them, let them wear them pants and quit playing. I, I feel like Harpo, man. I pay a pants to fit in this ceiling. <laughs> The color purple reference. I <laughs> love it. I'm just saying. But those things, epistles were written to people in yeah. a time and in a space about a thing. Many yeah. times about a question they asked mm-hmm. uh, or about something that happened Yeah, and, and that so, needs to be addressed. So the interesting thing about the epistles, although before we talked about, you know, in terms of length and all this, the epistles actually are laid out longest to shortest. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you didn't know, once you start the epistles, you start with Paul's longest letter. Mm-hmm. And you go all the way through the shortest letter in the Bible. Yeah. Which is three John. Jude. Jude. I'm Jude. sorry. Yeah, yeah. Jude. Jude at the end. Yeah. Jude comes through with that one chapter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so what you see is it being laid out longest and shortest, which means that necessarily wasn't Paul's first letter. Actually, it no. was not Paul's was first not. letter. In fact, the first New Testament book written mm-hmm. wasn't even a gospel. It wasn't. Is First Thessalonians. First Thessalonians. This is one of the things I and, left. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, go, go ahead. No, no. You go ahead. No, because First Thessalonians, when you read it, you like, oh my goodness, <laughs> this is what y'all want to start with? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's written some like 44, 45 mm-hmm. um, eighty. Jesus crucified somewhere between twenty nine and thirty three. So you're talking about within ten years 10, 10, 12, yeah. of the of the events of the Gospels happening. First Thessalonians written. And uh, oh goodness, mm-hmm. uh, you you. This this is the thing that that kills me, Pastor John. People say, "Well, see, I don't really like Paul. I'm just gonna follow the way of Jesus." Well, Paul was writing before Matthew, Mark, Luke, yeah. or John. Yep, he's he was writing about he started writing about Jesus first. Mm-hmm. Um, resurrection, like his resurrection in First Corinthians, was a uh, known hymn that folks like folks memorize this thing. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, let me put this down on paper for this Corinthian church so they yeah. can understand yeah. what this looks like. Yeah, yeah. And and much of Paul's writings, we believe, many of them, uh, the, the the hymn of Christ in Philippians chapter 2, mm-hmm. you know, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, was probably a song they sang in church yeah. all the time. That's good. Um, those mm-hmm. kinds of things. So uh, when you talk about epistles, and I like, to, I like to call them letters because epistles is a word we don't use in our mm-hmm. everyday language. That's true. It's just a word that's kind of a specialized so, church word and not even a church word anymore, just a specialized Bible nerd word. It's a letter. Yeah, it's a letter. <laughs> these these are, they are 13 letters, mm-hmm. 13 letters. Yeah, with very Paul, specific Paul's, formats uh, that mm-hmm. we'll, we'll talk about. 13 for, sure. for Paul and then eight um, general epistles. Yep, yep. So then we also uh, have prophecy to end the Bible mm-hmm. with the book of Revelation. Yeah. And uh, that's a that's scary book for a lot of folks. <laughs> the, book, the book of Revelation is another book that if you don't understand the context and the people to whom it's written, mm-hmm. it's intimidating. Yeah. But when you realize that John is in many ways addressing one, just some basic church needs Mm-hmm. when he writes to these seven churches in Asia Minor. And then he's also addressing some things that are happening within the Roman Empire yeah. at that time. Um, and he's speaking in some ways in coded language mm. because he can't just say Nero's bad. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He's got to address these 
um, in order for the letter to get to the people, right. he's got to speak in this mystical, coded language. They would understand that it had present application and eschatological or future end time um, um, relevance. And and we don't grab the immediate application. That's why the end time stuff bothers mm-hmm. us so bad. It's so very important, though, to understand that he is writing this to people, people, people in these churches. Like when he says, y'all are lukewarm, mm-hmm. there's a church there that has hot springs and cold springs. Yep. And they understand the context of what he's saying, and he's doing that intentionally. Yes, like y'all ain't hot or cold. Right. I know y'all understand hot and cold springs, exactly. but y'all y'all lukewarm. Yeah, and there's so many examples when yeah. he when he speaks about you know I'll give him a white stone. That was a that was a marker of, mm-hmm. and then the crown of life, and all of these other things that these images that he references are not images he pulls out the sky. Yeah, um, using what they're familiar with. Yes, Ooh, that's a good yeah. principle. It is great. <laughs> using principle. what they're familiar with in order to lay out this truth. That he wants to get to him, right? Yeah. So, so we've talked about the Bible as one story. We've talked about the books of the Bible, but um, the storyline mm-hmm. is also important, right? Mm-hmm. Because as I talked about Luke Acts being kind of a, a two act play, uh, Scripture itself actually lays out in four acts. Mm-hmm. I would say, or we would say, right? So those four acts are what we look at in terms of Scripture that we see. There's a creation account, mm-hmm. right? There's a fall. Mm-hmm. There's redemption, there's restoration. Yeah, those are the four acts of God's play. Now, the interesting thing is that the first two acts happen in the first three chapters. Right, first three chapters <laughs> of the Bible. First three chapters of the Bible. So, so we jack things up. Yeah, and he spends the rest of Scripture <laughs> fixing things up. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, I think that's so critical uh, mm-hmm. because the again we talked about in the last episode how nature declares the glory of God. The, the, when we read creation, we ought to read it with, with a reverence and an awe. You know, how do you invent water? You know, how do you invent a blade of grass? Hmm. You know what I mean? Hmm. Who, who comes up with the idea of a blueberry? Hmm. You know, the, the awe of the genius of God and then understanding even more within the creation account God's intent for humankind, hmm. unending fellowship, with God, um, healthy and life-giving and soul-nourishing relationships with one another, um, and then dominion over creation. That's God's intent. And man, one preacher said years ago, in reaching for equality with God, Adam stumbled over sin into disobedience. Mm-hmm. And, and then you get fall, mm-hmm. but redemption starts happening right away. Like immediately, 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 <laughs> as soon as Adam and Eve mess up, mm. God starts redemptive promises mm. and pictures. Yeah. The first redemptive promise is Genesis three fifteen. The seed of the woman is going to bruise the serpent's heel, mm. uh, bruise the serpent's head, and the serpent's going to bruise his heel, mm. which was a literal picture of Christ on the cross because on the cross in order to breathe you had to lift yourself up and you rubbed your heel mm-hmm. against the cross that's the that's the promise but then there's a picture when God himself takes the skins of animals mm-hmm. sheds blood mm-hmm. to cover and the text doesn't even say it. it it's subtle it says that he covered them with skins well where the sacrifice yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah. You ain't say nothing about sacrifice, yeah. but we just see animal skins yeah. show up, right? Yeah. Yeah. But it's a precursor 
to the ultimate sacrifice, mm-hmm. right? So so that redemption begins as soon as they fall. Right. And 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 it's it's amazing to me that the story of scripture, John, mm-hmm. spends so much time on redemption and restoration. That right there, man. This 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 ought to make you want to study that thing. This because the story of scripture is not about God trying to get you. Because he had every reason and right and mm. opportunity to. It's about God redeeming and restoring mm. back to his original intent. Everything God does from Genesis 3 forward through the New Testament is for his redemptive purposes. Yeah. Yeah. All those chapters. Everything. Set out to redeem us from the fall that we see in Genesis 3. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Wow. So, so here's the thing about that, though. Uh, I want to talk about Jesus here, and we talked about this on a previous episode. I know they remember this verse um, on the road to Emmaus, but I think it's important for us to to point this out because we talked about this at the beginning of the episode by saying that the Bible isn't really about us. No, not about us. Not about us. And, and I'd love to read it. Yeah. John, yeah. Um, yeah. it's Luke chapter 24. You will always misunderstand scripture if you are trying to find where am I in the text <laughs> right that's the wrong question that's the wrong question the wrong to start question with. to ask the wrong question to start with mm. wrong question and and you're in some of them <laughs> you know but it's never about yeah you it's yeah. never about yeah yeah so so let's talk about this Emmaus road okay uh, Genesis chapter 24, post-resurrection, mm-hmm. uh, two of Jesus' disciples are, uh, they walk in, they a little sad, mm-hmm. a little disappointed, right? Uh, so verse number 13, that very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Mm-hmm. Then one of them, named Clophus, answered, Cleophas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem? I love this question. <laughs> Who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? Oh, he knows. <laughs> <laughs> and he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped. Mm. Mm. That was the, <laughs> But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Wow. Yes, and besides all that, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted, interpreted to them, in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Oh, my goodness. I read this text and I got mad because I spent all this time in seminary and I could have just walked with Jesus from Jericho. All, 
<laughs> from from Emmaus Road and just learned all of this. Man. Moses, the prophets, he just laid it all out on this seven-mile trip. Man, listen, it's, it's, if you don't, if you, if you want to know the power mm-hmm. and significance and importance of Scripture, mm-hmm. if you want to grab how big the Bible is and how important it is, we talked in our last episode about Jesus uses it. Jesus quotes it a lot. Mm-hmm. He uses it all the time. Mm-hmm. But but now he's risen from the grave. We've talked about this in an early episode, but I'm going to repeat it anyway because it's, <laughs> it's, it's amazing to me. Now, at another point, John's going to tell us, because mm-hmm. John is a gospel of signs, he's going to show a sign. He's going to show them his hand, the hole. Mm-hmm. He's going to show them the hole in his side in the gospel of John. But Luke says, man, you want to know how he dealt with this this crew? Yeah. He didn't show. Now, he got the holes, mm-hmm. and he got the hole in his side, but he didn't he use didn't them. Sure. Yeah, yeah. He didn't do like Mary. He called her name. Mary and she said, "Oh my, I know that voice." Mm-hmm. She couldn't recognize the resurrected body, body of Christ because of her grief, but she knew his voice. Mm-hmm. He didn't do that with these folks. They mm-hmm. couldn't get it. He used the scripture. Mm-hmm. He said, "You know how you know how you can know me through signs. Mm-hmm. You can know me through my voice, but you can also know me if you just study the scriptures." Mm-hmm. And in studying the scriptures and then breaking bread, yeah. That's the next scene. They get there and he breaks bread, and they say that we know how they, we know that's him because we know how he breaks bread. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The scriptures are what affirm the truth of who Jesus is, and Jesus Himself uses the scriptures mm-hmm. to prove who He is. And He said this. Listen, He says, starting with Moses and the prophets, He laid it out as scripture concerning not them, Him. All the scriptures about me. Yeah. From Genesis up until this point where you're meeting mm-hmm. me here, mm-hmm. every word in scripture is about Jesus. It has pointed to. Which means when you read Leviticus, mm-hmm. it points to Jesus. Mm-hmm. When you read Numbers and those genealogies that y'all skipped, yep. <laughs> those are about yeah. Jesus. Yeah. And, 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 the significance of knowing that when you approach the Bible mm. cannot be overstated. I cannot tell you how important it is to know when I approach any passage, mm. especially in the Old Testament where where he's not yet born physically, knowing that this is about Jesus mm. some way. All the negative, all of the all of the unresolved stories, Jephthah's sacrificing of his daughter, and 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 the and the ugliness of of the of the split kingdom, and and you know David and Solomon's even their faults and flaws, all of the ugliness, mm-hmm. Moses striking the rock twice and missing out on the promised land, all of it points to, yeah, you know that your greatest heroes mm-hmm. still can't redeem you, mm-hmm. and then God's preservation of the seed. What the old covenant is really about mm. is how God preserves the seed he promises in Genesis 3.15 mm. through history. Mm. Through That's why the begats are so important, the yeah. genealogies. So-and-so begats, so-and-so, and so-and-so begats, so-and-so, so-and-so begats. So you start looking at begats and you start seeing where begats die off. Mm. You know, 
Canaanites die off and you yeah. know Edomites die. and then you start but there's this one seed yeah. from Adam through Abraham Isaac Jacob through mm-hmm. Judah down through David Solomon all the way and that one seed keeps on going mm-hmm. until it comes to fruition in the person of Jesus Christ and that's the amazing part like so through all the flaws of all these people continue to point to a need for someone to show up to redeem you God's people. You got to have him. Like, like you got all these folks who did great works in the Old Testament, but you still see the sin that's underlying it. Mm-hmm. I mean, David being one of the greatest figures, and you see his sin just publicly yeah. uh, with Bathsheba, Bathsheba. And it's like, whew, there's a need there still. Yeah. And so, so that's why it's so important that John says, God said, I got to do it myself. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so so now I take on flesh. Yeah. And I do what y'all couldn't do. Yeah. And live out the image of God that y'all were created in mm-hmm. so that God could recreate you yeah. through his spirit, which now dwells in you so that I could restore that relationship back to myself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and that's and 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 this is the thing about these covenant. When you talk about testament, the word testament simply means covenant, mm-hmm. and old covenant is a con- covenant of law performance. You cannot keep it. That's why it is given to sh- to show mm-hmm. our weakness and need for Christ. Then the new covenant is God's covenant with God. Mm-hmm. In, 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 and through it by the blood of Jesus Christ. God made a promise to God mm. <laughs> about us. Now, we're in it, but it's about Jesus. Mm. And, and, and that's why all of our identity and all of our um, hope and purpose, and mm. this is why we sacrifice our dreams and goals on the altar of obedience to God because Christ really is all. And the Bible from Genesis through Revelation tells that story. And even in the previous covenants, God still, in a sense, covenants with himself. Absolutely. When you we we talked about this previously, when Abraham and the the smoking pot and the the carcasses on the side, it's like, what's going on here? Well, he put Abraham to sleep and he said, I'm going to walk through and make this covenant with myself. Yeah. Even though you're the 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 one that carries the seed of the covenant, mm-hmm. I'm still a God that's going to see it through. Yeah, because I'm faithful. Yeah, I'm faithful to my promise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So so th- so that's the storyline there, right? Yeah. And so here's what I want to do, P, because I think that we do need to spend time on languages. I think I'm going to bring that to our next episode because yeah, yeah. I think we're going to talk about the languages of the Bible, but I want to get back to this redemptive story yeah. and I want to kind of get it on my soapbox about Hollywood <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. because we talked about this story, right? We talked about creation, fall, redemption and restoration. And one of the things that I've seen, and this is just kind of my evangelism mind that goes right. Because I feel like when you look at Hollywood storylines, that those storylines are at its core essence, the gospel, mm. and they articulate our need for the gospel. Folks are showing up at movie houses or on Disney Plus in the pandemic mm. in droves to hear the story. Yeah. 
that may be an indictment against the church because that story reflects exactly what it is that we have in the gospel. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm thinking about one of my favorite stories, right? Coming to America. My, my. You got this beautiful creation, this kingdom of Zamunda, this (laughs) perfect kingdom. But you also have this person who is set up to be married to this bride he ain't got no relationship with. So he leaves his he leaves his perfect kingdom. Yes. <laughs> he leaves his perfect kingdom to come to another land to find his bride. His bride. And bring her back home. Yeah. Yeah. And marry her, man. Yeah. Yeah. That's the gospel. If if we if we wanted to dig into the metaphor, John. She's living in the squalor of Queens, um, in the in the dirt. They're throwing trash out the windows. Um, those those all of those elements. He he changes clothes when he gets there. Mm. He takes off his royal robes, puts on McDowell's he, he, uniform. He, he says, "Let's dress like New Yorkers." Mm. Uh, yeah, mm. yeah. It's it's a mm. it's he renounces his throne. Yeah. Wow. Because of his love for her. Mm. Yeah, that's mm. the, I'm, time. Time fails us. We could, we could, I, we could Lion King that thing. We could Matrix that thing. <laughs> um, we, we could, we could Wakanda that. We thing. could Wakanda that thing. It's it. The the redemptive story mm. is attractive. Mm. They it, people have made millions of dollars, billions now, mm. off the redemptive story. Yeah, fictionalized versions um, of the truth of the, of a true. Of a true redemptive story, the narrative of of scripture that is the true, only true mm. redemptive story, and our only hope. And I, I I want us to reclaim and recapture not just a love for scripture, but a love for the story, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that we are energized and 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 reignited to, to tell the story. Mm. Um, People are dying, man, and the world needs. If 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 the pandemic has not proven anything else, mm. if if CNN and the Twitter timeline and people need the redemptive story, yeah. folk are looking for mm. some good news. And here's the thing, man: if I can binge watch a fictionalized version of the true gospel, mm-hmm. then this is something that is binge worthy in my life. Yes. That, that I need to dig deeper into this text because it isn't a fictional version. It is the true, powerful, living word of God that each one of us needs to dig and dive deeper into. I, we, we don't have time. We got to go. I, I do want to say my kids are, we're Marvel. We're a Marvel family. We're Star Wars family. Anybody who knows us knows that's, 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 activities we're going to discuss the movie before we go see it when we get done with it we're going to have a robust conversation sir in the car the boys PJ and Elijah are going to go on YouTube and look at all of the theories and the connections to the comics and the the research they're going to know the characters for the for the fictionalized 
redemptive story. Because that's all those things are. Mm. They're fictionalized redemption. Mm. In the same way, the passion that we have for that, those bright images on big screens, we should have a how much more of a passion mm. for this true redemptive story and for the sake of sharing it, mm. yeah. for the sake of, of telling the story, you know, and reminding one another of it wow. as well. Yeah. That, that's what we wanted to do tonight here. We want to reconnect you through walking through making it make sense mm-hmm. to help reignite that passion, reignite that fire for this story that redeems us, that restores us, that repairs us in ways that other stories just cannot do. So as we end this episode, we, we just want to encourage you to reconnect with this big picture. We, we hope tonight that we hope during this episode that you have put on that lens to see that this story matters more than any other story in your life. Mm-hmm. And so as we continue to move through how to study scripture, we want y'all to keep that big picture in mind yeah. that this, this story is not just worth telling, but also worth internalizing so that it could transform your life. This has been the Growth Factor podcast, and we want to encourage you all to leave rating and reviews. But I'm telling y'all, I just want to tell y'all about this story in this in this episode and tell you that you need to reconnect or uh, deeply connect with that story. And we hope to help you do that for sure. Next go around, we're going to talk about biblical languages. But as you leave listening to this episode, I just want you to ponder and think about the truth that is revealed in God's word. See y'all next time. This has been The Growth Factor, a broadcast ministry of St. Mark Baptist Church. Be sure to follow this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and join our Facebook group, The Growth Factor, for daily motivational content. Let's keep the conversation going. Thank you for listening.